stood up. I think this will be the first time here. So I appreciate his willingness to come up and preach teen camp. I'm looking forward to it. Brother, why don't you come up and preach to us? He also retired from the military. Did tw- How many years did you serve, brother, in the Air Force? 22 years he served in the Air Force. So I appreciate his service. Amen, brother. All right, certainly appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight, and I will warn you ahead of time, I am nervous, very nervous, very scared, so if this lasts five minutes, we'll be doing good, amen? Never thought I'd be back up here and have the opportunity to be here, but I certainly am thankful for uh, just, just to be here. You know, there's a lot of times you come to churches or you, you reconnect with people you may have seen in the past, and you kind of wonder where they're at, where they've been, what they're going through, or what's going on. But it's good to come back to a church and see some new faces. It's good to come to a church and see some familiar faces. And then there's the old faces. We'll not point anybody out. <laughs> but it's good to see people here again that we've known before, but yet it's also good to see new faces as well. Uh, again, seeing that you're continuing to go on and do what God has called you to do as a church, and that's to reach people with the gospel. Amen? Let's go ahead and turn in your Bibles tonight. We'll be in Numbers chapter 25. Numbers chapter 25. When I bring a message, I like to bring application. You know, there's a lot of things we can learn from the Word of God. There are, there are some great things we can look at from a historical standpoint. And there's times we may look at certain portions of Scripture and wonder, how is that applicable where I'm at today? How can I take that and apply it with what I'm going through right now? So I like to look at the Word of God and and try to see how it's used to be applied to where I'm at right now. I don't know about you, but I need it. I need the Bible to show me, to direct me, and guide me as I'm going through. So as we look, uh, oftentimes in Scripture, we can see where... Maybe we're a little bit reflecting of the nation of Israel, the things that they've gone through, the things that they do, and uh, we see that today as well. Making, honestly, the same mistakes that they made back then, we're doing still today. But as we're looking here in uh, Numbers chapter 25, um, just want to start off with just a a simple story. There was a young man who wanted a job once, and uh, he talked to a foreman about cutting some trees down. And uh, the foreman said, well, I need you to see in action first. So, of course, he, he said, well, there's a tree. Uh, show me what you can do. So the, the young man jumps up there and gets his axe, goes out and knocks the tree down. He said, well, that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, you're hired. You'll start Monday. All right. Monday, he works. Tuesday, Wednesday. Come Thursday, the foreman comes up to him and says, uh, you can collect your check and go. And he was like, wait a minute. I, I thought I was doing good. He said, yeah, you were top Monday. By the time Wednesday came around, you were on the bottom. You're not meeting the quota. He said, but, but wait a minute. I, I'm trying hard. I, I come early. I stay late. I, I work through my coffee breaks, everything. And, and the, the foreman noticed that he was really sincere about what he was doing. And he said, when was the last time you sharpened your axe? He said, I ain't got time to do that, man. I, I got this to do. I, got, okay, I, I don't have time. There's a lot of times there are people in churches that don't take time to sharpen their axe. We're in church tonight, Sunday night of all things. These are what we would consider maybe the the core of the church, a little more devoted. We're here tonight to sharpen the axe. As sharp and iron is sharpened. Uh, Again, we're here to help one another, encourage one another. So as we look in this portion of Scripture tonight, I've titled this message, Blueprint 
of a backslider. Blueprint of a backslider. You may be saying, well, that's not me. I'm here in church Wednesday, you know, I'm here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. I'm here all the time. That won't be me. You're the one I'm concerned about. You're the one the pastor's concerned about. You're the one that other people are concerned about. So as we look here in Numbers chapter 25, we're going to begin in verse number 1. We'll look at three verses and there's some great things that we can look here as we find here. Numbers chapter 25, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Looking at this this evening, there are four actions that we find here that leads to people pulling away or drawing away from the Lord that we need to be careful of. Four things tonight that we'll look at very quickly, but let's have a word of prayer as we get started tonight. Lord, again, we do thank you for those that are here. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we can meet together. Wherever we're at in this world, Lord, we know where two or three are gathered. You are in the midst. And Lord, I pray that your spirit will have free reign in this place this evening. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Look at this portion of Scripture tonight to allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and see where we're at. Are we growing? Are we moving forward? And Lord, I pray that you would just speak to hearts as only you can this evening. Lord, use me to help deliver your message. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Four things tonight that I want you to see very simply. Again, you may be saying here tonight that I'm not the one that would be pulled away. You know, I can think of other people. I can look back and, and think and remember where certain people used to sit. The Jordans have been very disobedient. They moved. They used to be over here. So it was odd seeing them over here. You know, but it's good to see people here. But I can still think, where's so-and-so? Where's that individual? Where's that family? And I can think about that in my own church as well. Those that were there when we joined, when we came nine years ago, when I began pastoring there, and they're no longer there. They said, you know, I'd never be the ones that would fall away. I'd never be the ones that would backslide. And we need to be careful about that because, again, it's important that we follow what the, the Lord has for us and do to stay faithful to Him. But again, as I said, it's amazing we can look back on the nation of Israel and see how it's almost like a mirror image at times. The things that they go through, the things that they do, we do oftentimes. Here in our text, the Jews were turning away from God. They were backsliding from the very God that delivered them from captivity. How is it that in just a short amount of time that they can turn away from God? You ever read that and wonder, how can they be so stupid sometimes? again and again, failing over and over. I would never do that. You ever said that when you're reading? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. I've said that. I'm like, man, how can they do that? God brought them out of there, delivered them out of Egypt, and yet they've been backslidden. They go a little bit further. He corrects them and brings them back, and they go back again. And on and on, they continue to do that. Now I look at my own life and see the same thing happening. I've fallen away. The Lord's corrected me, brought me back. Thank you, Lord, for that. Help me not to do it again. And then you slowly start to fall away. So it's, it's quick to judge sometimes. But what we find here, the first action I want you to see is they were settled in the world. They were settled in the world. Again, found in verse number one there, Israel bowed in Shittim. The nation of Israel was wandering in the wilderness for nearly 40 years at this point. 
And they were tired, maybe weary of, of going and moving and following this Moses character that seems to leading them in all these different places. They were ready to put some roots down. They were ready to, to, to settle down. And I can understand that. I remember when we were here last, we were ready to settle down. We bought a home. I was ready to stay. And God said, no, it's time for you to go. But, but, you ever but God? But, but God, I, I, we just bought a house. But God, we're working with the youth. But, but God, but God, no. It's not time to stay. It's not a place for you to put down roots yet. As much as we want to, sometimes uh, we've got to continue to put away our own feelings, our own wants, and say, Lord, whatever your will is, that's what I want. I stop and think, I wouldn't be pastoring today if we would still be here, more than likely. I would not have the opportunity to be able to stand in front of God's people where the Lord has placed me. Because I tell you right now, I didn't know where Kansas was before moving there. I'm thinking, wait a minute. That's not where I wanted to be. You know, my wife and I, we, we took a trip uh, down into Alabama, Mississippi, where we grew up. Thinking, oh yeah, oh yeah, which church is it going to be here? Yeah, because this is where I'm going to retire, we're going to come over here. That was my thinking, that was my mentality. Oh, maybe here, maybe here, and every time God would close the door. God would show something, this is not it, this is not the place. Oh, we continued to drive and on and on and never found it. And finally went back to New Mexico, the backside of the desert, by the way. And uh, I finally surrendered and said, Lord, whatever your will is. And that's when I got an email back from a church in Kansas. I said, Asawa Tomi, what in the world is that? That's how I pronounce it. It's not how you pronounce the town at all. And I was like, this is crazy. Uh, Arlene's laughing. She knows. <laughs> that's just how we pronounce it. That's what I thought it was. And uh, it's Osawatomi, by the way. Um, but they contacted me and said, hey, um, are you interested in this position as assistant pastor? And I was like, well, I guess. Okay? Why don't you come and preach for us? So I went and preached, and uh, my wife played the piano, and they said, you're hired, or just keep her. And they said, we've got a week to pray about this. We'll let you know. I said, okay. I said, Lord, how am I to know this is your will? So I laid out the police. I said, Lord, if it's your will, it's going to be a unanimous decision that we go there. You know, Baptist churches, unanimous decisions don't happen, right? I told my wife that that earlier part of that week, that in the following Sunday, they called me and said, there's been a unanimous decision. First words out of their mouth, that you were to come. Will you still come? And I said, I have to. The Lord has already said, here it is. So that's how we ended up in Kansas of all places. Not by my will, not because of what I wanted, because I would have settled roots down here. I would have stayed here. But that was not God's will. And sometimes we have to stop and surrender ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, whatever your will is. What is it you want me to do? Where is it that you want me to go? Israel had settled here in Shittim, which was a city on the east side of the Jericho across the Jordan River. They were coming close to the end of their journey and many times they were become uh, weary in their travels. They were become vulnerable in what they were doing. I know many people that have labored for the Lord many years, and as they got older, they slowly drifted away from God. When they were younger, they were serving, they were, they were vibrant, they were doing everything, and, well, you know, the kids are no longer at home, so I don't have to worry about it as much. 
I don't have to do this as much, or younger people can take care of that, and they begin to pull away. That doesn't need to be our mentality at all. We should continue to serve. We should continue to fight and do what God has called us to do. But as they were getting closer to the promised land, they, they, they were getting weary. They were getting weary in their travels and in their journey. They were ready to settle. Now you understand the term settle. You're accepting something that may not be the best. You're accepting something that may not be exactly what you wanted. The Jews wanted the promised land, but yet they were going to settle for where they were at. Mediocrity is not God's will. Understand that. God does not want to give you just so-so. What does Jeremiah 29, 11 tell us? Again, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. God has a plan for your life. God has a direction for your life. Teenagers, listen up. God has something for you. You've got to learn to accept it and surrender to His will. Well, you don't understand. Well, I want, I want. It's not all about you. It should be about God. Lord, what is it that you want for my life? Where is it that you want to take me and what do you want me to do? Don't settle for what is left. Again, God wants to give us the very best. He wants to, he wants to provide for us the very great things. But too many times I think we settle for what is good instead of what is best. In Psalm chapter 68, verse number 19, the Bible says, Blessed be the Lord God, who daily loadeth us with benefits. It's not a once in a while thing. Daily He wants to load us with benefits. Daily He wants to bless our lives. But we've got to be surrendered to Him and do what He wants. Not what we want. Think of the continual blessings that God has given in your life. You know, it was great to see the, the young kids coming up and, I'm going to say thank you for this and thank you for that. I leaned over to my wife and I said, where's the adults? A lot of times adults, we think, oh, that's great for the kids to do. In our church, I make everybody start off with their blessings, their praises. I said, I don't want to hear any prayer requests until you give a praise. Because that changes your mindset, changes your thinking altogether. Well, if I can, oh, I can praise God for this. I can be thankful for that. And to, to the time you get to the, the prayer request, we forgot about them. It's all about your perspective. It's all about what you're thinking. So again, you stop and, and think about what God has blessed you and what He's given you. Uh, again, we've got to learn to trust the Lord. We understand Proverbs 3, 5. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. But that's not what we practice, is it? Trust the Lord with just a little bit. Oh, Lord, I trust you with oh, this little part over here. No, He says trust the Lord with all of our heart. Meaning with the blessings of God without doing anything to get them. God wants to bless us, Yes. But we've got to follow His rules. We've got to follow His mandates. Again, Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Many of you are familiar with, or excuse me, 38, are familiar with that verse. The first verse says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. So we've got to begin. We've got to start. We've got to give. If we're not ready to give, then God cannot give to us. Again, thinking about the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. We are to give our best to God and expect the best from Him. As the old saying goes, give God what's right, not what's left. Too many times we want to give the leftovers. God says, I want your best, and I'm going to give you my best. So we've got to learn to understand not to settle, but also don't sacrifice. 
Too many times I think we sacrifice different things for what it is we want. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Oh, I want that. I want it right now, right now. And Oh, don't worry about anything else. I've got to have this. God says, just wait. I'm going to give you something better in my time. But we don't want to wait. We're, we're an instant society, are we not? I want it now. I've got to have it now. God says, wait on me. I've got something far greater. If you would just, just wait. Israel wanted to find a place to settle down. They wanted to find a place to put some roots. And when they did, there came the sacrifice. Because of the, 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 the land where they settled, because of being there in Moab and not the promised land, they were not surrounded by God's people. They sacrificed. Therefore, they did not get the blessings that were coming to them. The same thing happens to the believers when we don't wait on God. We've got to learn to settle. But when we settle, we also cannot be seduced by the indwellers. Look at verse number one again. It's point number two tonight. Seduced by the indwellers. Verse number one says, And Israel abode in Shittim. And the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. They were seduced by those in the land that they were a part of. These men, these leaders of Israel, these soldiers of the army of the Jews were being enticed, drawn away from what they knew they shouldn't have been doing by the daughters of Moab. Satan, the God of this world, wants nothing more than draw you away from this place right here. He wants nothing more to keep your mind distracted. There's probably a lot of people right now that are thinking about camp tomorrow. How many people are thinking about camp tomorrow? Oh, camp's going to start tomorrow. Will this guy hurry up? That, that, that's, that's Satan trying to get your mind off track. Trust me, I know. My mind gets off track all the time. I've told people many times it's like taking a super ball, those big round balls, and throwing it in a phone booth and watch it bounce. That's my thought pattern. It's hard for me to stay focused. So I can only imagine you're thinking right now, oh, camp, 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 Wait till tomorrow. Satan is wanting to, to keep you distracted. Because when tomorrow comes, when camp starts, guess what? You're going to be thinking about something else. Oh, what game are we going to play next? What are we going to do? Oh, look at all the mud and it's going to be fun. And, and you're not going to hear anything that's anything said from the Word of God. We've got to learn to not be seduced, not to be drawn away by what Satan wants us to believe and what he wants us to do. He uses everything unimaginable to keep the Christians away from church, to keep them from studying their Bible, to keep them from praying. You know, it's easy to, to, to do this and sit at the couch all day and, and not do anything at all. It, it's easy to sit there with your eyes closed. Oh yeah, I'm just praying and not do anything. Nobody's going to know it. Nobody can see your heart. Nobody can see what goes on in your mind. So it's easy to fall into that trap. This is why it's important. You need to have a time in the Word of God. You need to have a time of daily devotion, daily prayer. Drawing closer to the Lord as much as possible. Don't let Him get the victory in your life. Have you ever wondered when you're trying to devote some time to God, the phone rings? Knock on the door happens. Kids start going crazy. Satan is trying to distract you. This is why, again, it's important. You, you manage time. You make sure if you get distracted, you go back and you have time in the Word of God. It's very important to do that. But there's been many occasions I've gone out and knocked on doors around where we live. And as soon as you start talking about spiritual things, you ever wonder why the dog comes up? Really? 
You ever wonder why their phone rings or kids act up when you're at the door talking to them and trying to find out what their eternal security is and what they believe and, and hand them some information? Again, Satan does everything he can to distract anybody from drawing closer to the Lord. And this is why it's important that we stay motivated and devoted to what God has for us. But you stop and think about all that Satan has to offer. Think about this world. The glitz, the glamour, all the things that are out there and how wonderful the world looks. And and, uh, it, it can be very attractive, can it not? Why is this? What is Satan the God of? He's the God of this world. That's what the Bible says. And he's the one that's going to blind the eyes of them that don't believe. He's going to try to, to keep people from following the Lord. And so he uses everything he can. You go back to study scripture. What did he do with Jesus? He took him up on the highest mount and said, look, I'll give you all of this if you'll just fall, fall down and worship me. He does the same thing for us. He's trying to entice us. He's trying to distract us from what it is the Lord has for us. And that's all he can offer, by the way. All he can offer is this world. And if you stop and think for a moment, the best this world has to offer is the worst you'll ever have. If you're saved tonight, this is the worst it will ever be. Think about it for a moment. When you get to heaven, is it, will it be better than here? Well, yes, far better. So their greatest thing that they've got is our worst. But that's all Satan has. That's all he's got is this world is to keep people distracted and away from drawing closer to God. So it's important that we understand that not to let this world draw us away. Not let the things of this life keep us distracted where we're not focused on what God has for us. Stop and think again what Satan has and what the Lord offers. What the Lord has is eternal. What He can give us is everlasting life. So don't become seduced by Satan and don't let this world and what it offers keep you from serving God because the backsliders can easily get their eyes off the Lord and fall prey to Satan's ways. We see the next that these backsliders also served idols. So number three tonight... They served idols. Look at verse number 2. And they called the people unto the sacrifice of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. This was not just a secret submission or a a private affair, if you would, but it was a full-fledged act of worship. Notice here that they appealed to all. It was an invitation for everyone. It was no one forced to go. It was not like they were, they were trying to trick them. Hey, uh, let's go watch the gladiators fight. Come on. And they get there. Surprise! We're going to worship our God. Come on. It was nothing like that. They just gave them the invitation. What did the Israelites do? Okay, we'll go. There's a lot of people today that are serving idols. And they don't even realize it. Now, I'm not talking about uh, worshiping some kind of gold uh, fat guy and rubbing his belly and all that. I'm not talking about that kind of God at all. There's a lot of things that we we serve or we put as idols in our lives. We stop and you can look at all that's going on in the world, all the people and what they worship. It's all because they're allowing themselves to be enticed. That's what James chapter 1 tells us, right? That we are drawn away and, and enticed by our own lusts. The only thing, the things we desire, 
Because what I desire may not be what you desire. And Satan looks at that and sees that. He can't read our mind, but he sees our reactions. He sees how we react to what's going on in the world. And that's how it starts. Gets us pulled away. Satan is a deceiver, a murderer. The ruler of darkness, a liar, according to John chapter 8, verse 44. And he wants nothing more than to see all of these kids pulled away. Teens, he wants to make sure that you're not paying attention this week. He wants to make sure that, that you're focused more on the games, the activities, than on what the Word of God has to say. And it's important that we take this serious. That we focus on the Word of God. Not only did they appeal to all, but they also ate. Did you love that? Yes, I know I'm in a Baptist church. What's wrong with eating? Well, that's exactly what they did. Uh, again, you find that in the verse. And the people did eat. Is there anything wrong, wrong with eating? I hope not. I'm in trouble if it is. They were indulging in something they shouldn't have been. You know, today's mentality of eating a little much is okay. Eating a, overindulging a little bit is all right. The sin of gluttony is, is accepted in society. Is it a sin? Uh, we don't want to say anything, do we? Somebody ate too much for lunch, didn't you? I did. It's still a sin regardless. doesn't matter what color, what shape, whatever it is, sin is a sin in God's eyes. We can justify it all we want. We can accept it. But it's not that way in God's eyes. But that's exactly what was happening here. They were indulging in the whoredom. They were indulging in all the things that were going on, being drawn away and defiling themselves. If we can't control our, our fork at the dinner table, how can we control our mind when things are out in the world trying to draw us away? That's how I work. That's the problem I have is controlling this. If I can't control this, I'm going to have a harder time controlling this. It's all about self-control. We've got to learn to get a hold of that, grasp that idea of controlling ourselves, because Satan is there to give us every opportunity to fail. And he wants us to. So again, sin is important that we look at it as just that, as sin. And not fall prey to it. But these Israelites were now participating in acts of worship to idols. They were showing displays of adoration. Again, as you find there at the, the end of that verse, it says, And they bowed down to their gods. They were no longer worshiping or following Jehovah God. They were now bowing down to idols. Think about the idols we serve in America. There are those that we serve, the gods of entertainment. The musician, the movie star, the money-hungry athlete. On and on we can list name after name of people that America worships. We know more about them than we do about anything about the Word of God. We know more about the defensive unit of our favorite team than we do about how to defend our own faith. We know more about that offensive superstar than we know about the morning star. Our pleasures have become more important than the person of Jesus Christ. And many wonder why God is removing His hand from this nation. And, oh, by the way, you can't blame the unsaved for that. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray. 
That has nothing to do with those that are not saved. It has to do with us sitting in this church. Those sitting in churches around the world who are not taking time to pray and worship God and make Him number one in their life. It's important that we understand that. But this is what these Jews, backsliders, did. We can fall right in line with what they've done. We can fall in that same trap if we're not careful. And what happens next, we find number four tonight, is they surrender their identity. They surrender their identity. Look at verse number three again. It says, And Israel enjoined themselves, or himself, into Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. They joined themselves with this God, Baal Peor, who was the idol of Moab. These Jews had left their God. One that had, again, brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of that captivity, and brought them to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. We see churches around the country surrendering their identities as well. They're no longer identified as ones that believe the Word of God. They say, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that to attract numbers. Oh, if we don't do this, we won't reach this generation. If we won't do that, we won't do th- reach those people. They come to the point where they're no longer identifying being even a Baptist. You get some that's called Life Point Church, Cross Point Church, Real Life, New Life, This Life, That Life. There's a variety of different names. The Bridge, the Wellspring. Man, I've heard all sorts of names. And they won't even identify as a church anymore. They, they relabel as, we're just a fellowship. Or we're an ecclesia. How does that work? It's amazing that's what they want to be identified as. I'm a Baptist by conviction. I believe what the Word of God says. This is my final authority. Not my opinion, not your opinion, but God's opinion. And I try, I'm not perfect, I try to abide by what it says. I want to make sure my life is is governed by what this blessed old book has to say. Too many times we put our opinion, we inject what we want instead of what God wants. It's important that you take time to study this. Understand what it says. But more importantly, apply it. We can stand here all night and read Scripture, but if we're not taking time to apply what we hear, we're not doing ourselves any good. So we've got to make sure we understand that. Be careful with that. But again, being a church is important. Understanding church and being here is an encouragement. You have no idea how encouraging it is to your pastor that you're here. I know that. Because when my people are gone, I'm like, we're so-and-so. Why haven't I seen them? Why haven't I seen them? And it bothers me. I, I kind of take things personal. I'm sure Brother McGovern is the same way. Uh, it, it may not be his fault. It may not be my fault. But I still take it personal. My mom tells me that all the time. Stop taking it personal. I can't. I can't. That's just the way God wired me. That's the way I am. That's the place I'm at. So it can be an encouragement as you come to church. Church attendance is important, by the way. There's a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, it's okay that I missed this, or I don't need to go for that. That'll be the service that you're going to miss that has exactly what you need. So it's important that you're here, edifying, encouraging to one another. But don't surrender your identity 
of who you are in Christ. These are four simple things that you think, well, I don't fall in these categories. Well, I'm glad you don't. But you've got to continue to make sure you don't fall to these problems. Sure, we can say we're the ones here tonight. I'm the one here. I'm here on Sunday night. What about next Sunday? What about the Sunday after that? The Sunday after that? Oh, I I don't want to think about that. You need a plan for it. You know, blueprints are there to build whatever it is you're trying to create. They are the plans that the, the builders go by to know exactly how things fit together. God says, I've given you a blueprint. I've given you a plan. But it's up to you to do it. Many people can stand up behind this pulpit week after week and tell you exactly what you do, but you've got to make the plan to do it. I'm often reminded of Billy Sunday, preacher years gone by. He was told some very important information. When he was first saved, a Christian put his arm around him and said, let me give you three things that will help you stay faithful. He said, the first moment of the day, take 15 minutes to talk to God. Take 15 minutes to allow God to talk to you. Read His Word. And then take 15 minutes to talk to somebody else about God. And if you do that, they'll never write backslider after your name. You think 15 minutes is not that much. 15 minutes is just a good starting point. You take 15 minutes to pray. Take 15 minutes to read your Bible. Take 15 minutes to talk to somebody else about the Bible. You keep that in your life, you'll not fall prey to these problems that the Israelites had issues with. So tonight, let me ask you this. Where do you stand in your relationship with God? You know, it's good to to come and see, well, we were here 12 years ago. And it's good to see people that are still here. But think back where you were 12 years ago. Have you grown from that point till today? Are you just as faithful? Are you reading and understanding the Word of God more or less? Again, that's something that only you can understand, only you can confess before God. But it's a true test to figure out where am I at? Am I backsliding or am I going forward? By the way, that's the only two directions you can go. You can't stop. You know what happens when you stop? You get stagnant. Nobody likes stagnant water, do you? Keep moving forward for God. When I say bow your heads and close your eyes tonight, again, I know this is a simple message. You may be thinking, well, how exactly is that for me? How does that apply to where I'm at? Again, it's just a self-examination point. It's a time to stop and reflect and think, Lord, show me where I'm at and what I need to fix, what I need to change. Help me to be a better believer. Help me to be stronger for you. And if there's something that needs to be changed, give the Holy Spirit free reign to change whatever it is in your heart and life.
Lord God, again, we do thank you for those that are here. Thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, just turn our lives over to you. Surrender completely to you. That you would be able to do whatever it is you would want. Lord, I know there's probably people here that are questioning and wondering, maybe even teetering in their life about their service to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict their hearts. Help them draw closer to you. Help them see the need of being faithful and doing what you've called them to do. We thank you again for all that you've done. Thank you for this example we find. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes still closed, just for a second, let me ask this real quick. Maybe you're here right now, you're not certain that you have truly been converted. I want you to think about this question. If you were to die right now, where would you go? What would happen to you if you were to die right now? Do you know for certain that heaven is your home? Because you will stand before an almighty God and he will judge you. That day will happen. The whole reason Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth is to save you from that judgment. If you're here right now and you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't really know what's going to happen to me. I'm not certain I'd go to heaven. Or I'm even fairly certain I might go to hell. Pastor, please pray for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand where I can see it and then you can put it back down. Just let me see it and you can put it back down. I won't call you out. Anybody here like that, say, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm not certain of that. Yes, sir, I see that hand in the back. Yes, sir, I see that hand right there. I see the two hands that went up. I want to talk to the two hands that went up here for a second. Some of you, one of you has heard this many times, the other one I don't know. But you will stand before God and he will judge you. That day will take place. He will use his law and he will judge your life. And just like me, you've broken that law. A hundred percent of those who are found guilty of that judgment are cast into a lake of fire. Every single one. The entire reason Jesus Christ came is to save you from that judgment. He came, actually, believe it or not, to make you look perfect. When he went to that cross, he took all of your sin upon himself. He took your place in judgment. He died for you. So your salvation from that judgment, your ability to be converted, rests in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross he is the one who took your place. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You have to see what He did for you and come to Him and put your faith in Him. Now, of the two that raised your hand and say, Pastor, please, I want to know more. I can, have, I can have workers right here just take you aside and go through what I was just talking about. Take about ten minutes and show you from the Bible. Listen, this is what Christ did for you. It has nothing to do with our church whatsoever. It has to do with what Jesus Christ did for you. And if you want that, if either of you say, listen, I want somebody to talk with me, then just look at me. And I'll have somebody come and just take you by the side to a side office and talk with you. See? Yes, sir. One is being dealt with. I'll give the other just a second. Would you like somebody to come and talk with you?
Christian. You brought up some good points. And you think about it, his first two, the last two are the results of the first two taking place. If you start to get settled in this world, getting seduced by the dwellers, what this world has to offer, I assure you, you're going to begin serving vanity. Idols. I assure you, in that, you've now lost your identity of who you are. Of who you should be representing. And so that blueprint for a backslider starts the moment this world begins to grab you and says, just settle down with me. I got you. You're being deceived. The Lord is everything. The Lord worked on your heart. You need to come and pray. Maybe you have another need that's in your heart right now. You need to come and pray about Come and do that. Father, bless this invitation. Lord, I pray this in Christ's name. I pray for the two being dealt with. Lord, I certainly pray for their salvation. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Turn to page 174. If you need to come and pray, you come and pray. Mm-hmm.